welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to treasurers about how they've built their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. In this week's show, delighted to be joined by Stefan Deal, the Senior Vice President, Head of Global Treasury at SAP SE. Now, SAP, everyone knows this in finance. It's one of the world's leading producers of software for management of building business processes, developing solutions across organizations and information flow and everything else. And we'll get into that a little bit later with Stefan, but the company and the group was actually founded back in 1972. It was abbreviated to SAP, so I'm not going to say all the details there, but it's grown from five people back in 72, as Stefan just explained, to 110,000 employees globally. Great story. But as always with the show, I'm going to hand over the microphone to Stefan. Maybe if you would, Stefan, take us back to your, you know, the beginning of your career and how you first ever started. Like many of my guests, you started in banking and then discovered the wonderful world of treasury. But back to you, sir. Yeah, thank you very much, Mike. And thank you for having me in the show. I'm delighted to be here. So when I look back quite a few decades now to the beginning I would say that my my interest in in financial markets really started in the last few years of my school career and then I really decided to uh, to start an apprenticeship as a bank clerk with Deutsche Bank uh, just to test whether this is something for a more sustainable career later on learned a lot during the, those two years was also a sign it was the the 1990 coming down of the iron curtain so i was assigned to the eastern part of germany which was a great experience uh, at that age but it was very clear that i would like to go further with studying uh, business administration and after those two years I indeed started international business administration to get a university degree, but I was still working for Deutsche Bank, uh, which which gave me a decent salary at the time, and that helped a lot, I can tell you. And then towards the end, on the last phase of my studies, I really got a strong interest in, in treasury topics. And I decided to do my master thesis uh, for a mid-sized company on their FX hedging strategy, which was a very interesting topic at the time. After my studies, I returned to a Deutsche Bank. I, I worked as a a deputy branch manager and a relationship manager for business and private clients. Uh, but it was kind of clear that I would like to, uh, you know, change from a bank to a corporate environment. At the time, I, I really wanted to work on the, uh, let's say, original problem in the business rather than, you know, providing tools, providing different products to, to solve the problem. I, I, I really wanted to work in the original business problem environment, so to say. You had this exposure to treasury, which is actually quite unusual, I think. We've recently done a series of podcasts with the guys at Corporate Treasury 101 and about people saying, how do they get into treasury as a graduate and you know, things like that. Now, you sort of came across it, or was it part of the course? Again, that's quite unusual because then it gave you that interest level, or was that more from the banking side? Where did that come from then? As I said, I think it, it kind of developed uh, during the apprenticeship at Deutsche Bank and also during the, the studies uh, where I was most interested uh, in the finance topics. I think it really gradually 
developed over time. But uh, but then when I really started my career after the finalization of my studies, there were there was a clear ambition to go into treasury. Uh, so that was a passion, I would say, very early uh, in my career. Joined a company that this is before SAP and everything else and became head of treasury there. Can you give us a bit of a background to that? What what that role was like before you then joined the size of the company of SAP. What was that like? And, and talk us through. That was an, uh, actually an interesting start at that uh, company. I mean, I did apply uh, for quite some jobs in Treasury during that time. It was a bit of a difficult economic uh, environment uh, back then, and the labor market was tight. But uh, fortunately, I got this head of Treasury position at IWKA at the time. Now it's called KUKA. Actually, it was a one-man show. There was not much of an outlined function for that. Uh, but there was a treasurer uh, as my predecessor. And when I arrived, my predecessor told me, well, look, uh, I will be there for another two days. Uh, and then you are left on your own. Uh, and uh, you can imagine uh, being uh, only nine months out of university, uh, I was really shocked. Yeah, about this statement, yeah. uh, but it turned out to be really a great opportunity. Uh, so uh, there was a bit of, of process description, there was a bit of, of rules uh, for the treasury function, but it, it was really uh, something scattered and, and uh, more, uh, let's say, combined with accounting topics and everything. So I really had the chance uh, to shape uh, the treasury function. Yeah. Uh, to uh, uh, describe and define uh, processes, to uh, describe and define interfaces to accounting, uh, to the planning areas. I, I wrote, let's say, my own uh, treasury guideline yeah, hmm. based on the knowledge I, I had, and of course, a lot of um, a lot of interactions with other uh, treasurers got into contact uh, in the first uh, one or two years. At the end of the day, it was a great start because I was also forced to learn to swim uh, very quickly, uh, take my own decisions, uh, build a team step by step, uh, which also helped me as a young professional in that role to uh, really uh, push that up uh, to a professional function uh, to uh, recruit poop, uh, people uh, step by step to uh, find the right place also for the strategic aspects of the function at KUKA. So that was a great start and once in a lifetime opportunity to, you know, to being able to shape uh, the whole function. This is an interesting point you make there. There's a guy who's a regular listener to the show. I know who he is. I won't, won't name check him here. He stepped into a very similar situation with a UK privately listed or privately held company. They will list at some stage later, but a smaller group and things. But he was, you know, had experience as a treasury manager. He went in there as head of treasury of, of a one-man band, you know, treasury. And that was not a criticism, but he was like, he came back to me and said, oh, have you got a bit of an e-book maybe of some of the things about, you know, the checklist that you can come in. Now, as you said, you went in there and made up your own guidelines. You created them from going out to different peers and colleagues. If, if someone's in that similar situation, how would you suggest they do it? Because I know that you, you know, we meet up regularly. We're going to meet up at conferences soon. Did you go and meet those guys or did you go back to your books? Or what, what was the sort of guiding light, if you like, for you in, in those early days? Yeah, I think it's really a variety of tools and, mm -hmm. and uh, activities that you can use to, uh, to get speed 
on the treasury topics. Of course, there was uh, some dedicated knowledge from my university time. There was some interactions, as I said, with fellow uh, treasurers that I met at conferences. Of course, there is the Association of German Treasurers, which provided some uh, some guidance on the topic. And uh, it, it's really reading articles uh, in, in magazines that, that focus on such topics. So it's really a variety uh, of information sources that, that I used. And I, I would uh, actually recommend that uh, because only relying on one or two sources uh, gives you not the full picture. And I like to have as much information as, as possible to really have very comprehensive view of the topic. And then I can make a decent decision on, on what to focus on. And one of the reasons he's actually recently moved on because he said he did all that and he got it to a decent state, but he then wanted more. You know, he wanted, you know, mentor and he was looking for mentors outside of the function because he wanted someone to guide him. Now, you've then made that transition from a smaller group to a larger group and the global leadership position as well. What was that like for you? Was that one of the things you were maybe searching for at the time, would you say? Or did it just actually it was just the next next time to move? What influenced that, if you like? That, of course, is an interesting question. And I have been with KUKA for eight years then, at the end of the day, when I moved to SAP. I mean, by the time, uh, it was uh, really a lot of things going on uh, in the company itself. We, we, have, we had to deal with the first shareholder activist in Germany. There was a lot of rebuilding within the company, a lot of finance support needed for M&A transactions as well as divesting activities. So there was a lot to learn and a lot to uh, to do. It was a small headquarter with only 60 people covering all functions. Uh, so you really could learn a lot uh, beyond treasury. But at the end of the day, at some stage, uh, the learning curve becomes flatter becomes more not so exciting uh, anymore and then i think that was the uh, the driver behind uh, looking for something else of course i had uh, also the the ambition to lead a larger team in a more professional organization at the sap opportunity came along at at the very best point in time but those were the triggers i think for moving on from kuka and you joined SAP. Can you, everyone in finance, I think, has heard of the group and everything else, but pretend we hadn't. You just got off your spaceship and you were explaining what the company does, who you are and things like that. Maybe you could explain that from a, you know, a basic point of view, and then we'll sort of explore a bit more about when you joined them, what it was like. So obviously there was a number of years ago now, 16 odd years ago, I think we said before, you know, wow. Talk us through that if you would. Yeah, as you said at the beginning, SAP is the market leader in enterprise application software. We help our clients, which have all sizes and work in all industries, to become intelligent and sustainable enterprises. I mean, we started with ERP, with our one ERP product back then, 50 years ago, and that turned out to be a very big advantage. Because uh, by providing that product, we could accompany our customers along the value chain. And when you look at the situation today, still 77% of the global transaction revenue touch an SAP system in some way or another. And this gives us the unique opportunity 
uh, to really help uh, all of those customers in their business transformation, in their digital transformation, irrespective of the industry they work in. So this is what, what SAP uh, is all about. In the meantime, it's a company of more than 110,000 employees. Last year, we had a, a total revenue of roughly uh, 28 billion euro. And we offer our uh, products to all of the company constituents, uh, mm -hmm. not only the uh, ERP, uh, which is now based on our S4HANA database, the real-time view on all of the financial and other data. Uh, we provide a comprehensive HR solution. We help our customers in terms of intelligence spend and the business network, so procurement, travel and expense contingent workforce uh, and the business network itself, customer experience applications uh, that we offer. Uh, and we have our business technology platform that uh, kind of uh, plays a special role in our portfolio uh, since it is foundation as well as a platform uh, for partners and customers to extend the standard solutions with their customized needs. And so I think uh, we are still very close uh, to the customer uh, and in a phase where every company in a very volatile environment uh, has to transform, uh, SAP is an excellent partner. If we then go back to the beginning of your role when you joined the group a number of years ago, what was SAP Treasury like at that time? And how has it evolved over time? I would have, was going to make a, you know, the, you know, oh, we are the global treasury. You're just looking after all this money and growth. But there's been a series of different challenges throughout that time, as you and I have talked about. What was it like when you started and what's it been like as you've grown through that role, if you like? Yeah, that's also very interesting because when I arrived at SAP, the treasury function was not a global one. Why was that? We had, of course, uh, centralized uh, all of the core processes in our headquarter in Waldorf, but uh, we still had, let's say, local people in the finance environment also caring uh, for treasury topics alongside accounting and controlling topics, for example. So it was a very centralized function, and this changed a few years later. Uh, when uh, we embarked on on our shared service delivery model, then we we really moved into a global function with treasury employees in different uh, locations around the world. Of course, the centralized uh, setup uh, for treasury at SAP at the time in 2006 uh, was a very professional one. Uh, so mm -hmm. I started as the head of treasury finance, mainly responsible for all of the internal financing, for all of the external funding questions, and there were almost none at the time. And then, of course, uh, the bank relationship management and all of the financial risk management topics. So that was my first role. We started at the time with 10 to 15 employees, and uh, since then, uh, we have grown a lot, but uh, with today's uh, 45 employees, I would still say that we are quite an efficient and uh, yeah, lean organization. How was the structure of SAP Treasury? And again, I'm asking this more, if someone is looking at you guys, because then you've grown with it and things like that, how has it changed structurally? I know that one of my clients I spoke to recently, they've relocated from Belgium to another country. They've centralized everything. 
they've got the, the the pillars of treasury if you like is the core pillars but one of the things that fascinated me was how they'd then split out some of the activity and how it evolved as well with you guys have you seen that over time or has it just been driven by or not just been driven by technology what's the situation yeah, of course, uh, in the last uh, 16 years, uh, SAP Treasury developed a lot. I, I mentioned the number of, of employees working dedicated in a dedicated form for, for the Treasury function. So, of course, we grew quite a lot. And as I said, we build out our uh, treasury hubs uh, mm. outside of the headquarter and really dedicated to uh, solve uh, local uh, treasury problems. So uh, the organizational setup uh, changed quite a bit, uh, but that was only one part of uh, what, what really developed over time. I think what is unique about SAP Treasury is that we are very closely connected and uh, even embedded in what I called innovate to sell uh, cycle. So right. what does that mean? SAP uh, sells its own uh, treasury and cash management solutions. And uh, my organization is uh, fully embedded in the uh, development process. So we have a regular alignment uh, with our analytics, our development colleagues. We uh, come up with our own ideas on uh, new products or functionality enhancement. Uh, we are, of course, the first pilot customer for those new applications. And then on the other side, of the value chain, we also support our sales colleagues yeah, at conferences, uh, in uh, customer meetings. Uh, and over time, we established a real structure for that, yeah, uh, an agile structure. So we have, for example, two uh, product owners for mm -hmm. different parts uh, of our solution portfolio. And they really have uh, the objective to enhance the product portfolio, to come up with new ideas. Uh, and our uh, treasury dashboard, uh, which is part of our SAP digital boardroom, uh, is, is only one example of an innovation that we drove as a functional part uh, of finance, which then turned step by step into an offering uh, for our customers. Yeah? Uh, so it's now a standard solution that we offer our treasury uh, customers. And, and that's, I think, unique about uh, my organization. That, of course, also developed over time. And I think we, with this shared service delivery notion and, and the whole framework behind it, uh, we also separated more, more and more, let's say, repetitive tasks yeah, that are done in certain areas. And then, let's say, concentrate on, on the complex or the more complex topics uh, that, that arise over time. I mean, we had a lot of acquisitions and it actually started in 2007 uh, when I just uh, started at SAP. We started a big acquisition sequence. And of course, we had to concentrate on, on, uh, then on, on those major projects uh, and, and to be very efficient uh, on the standardized end-to-end uh, -end processes. You're in that large global treasury how do you and i'll qualify this you know approach those problems i've got we've got listeners today who are in treasuries with you know like you were earlier in decree two or three people you're a global treasury and things like that is it a case of you sit down at the end at the beginning 
end of a year and say, right, this is where we're going to go next year? Or how do you deal with knowing that there's, you know, we've had a series of crises come along. We had pandemic, then went into, you know, Ukrainian conflict. You've got lots of different things coming at you as a treasurer. You know, how do you set out and how do you then deal with that? Because again, this is some of the other listeners will be more senior treasurers are going, oh yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Stefan deals with that and how they maybe deal with that. How, how does it work, would you say? Yeah, I think uh, when you sit down at the point in time when the crisis had already kicked in, uh, it's definitely too late. I mean, we, of course, we do our planning, uh, not only for the next 12 months, uh, but also for the medium term, what 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 are the projects that we, we take a closer look in terms of financing, in terms of risk management, in terms of our payment factory, and of course, on the product side that I just described. But I think when you look at the challenges uh, that companies and, and also, of course, the treasury function has to face uh, based on the crisis uh, that we saw in the last few years, I would say when you look at the treasury function, it's probably three different elements that you have to work on. So the first one is a really stable and resilient treasury setup. So it's really about stable, automated and harmonized processes yeah, that you can deliver irrespective of the volatility in the environment, not only financial market volatility, uh, but also uh, the industry uh, the company works in. So that's important. And uh, combined with those stable processes, you need a real-time data insight uh, to really know what is the liquidity in which country uh, do we have enough liquidity for our planned cash outflows. So this is uh, the absolute basis. And then the second element is, I would call it a high-end value contribution. And that, of course, depends on the, on the size of the treasury function. But of course, you need an effective and efficient payment infrastructure. Uh, you need a very much tailored financial risk management approach. So not every company, of course, needs every depth of a financial risk management approach, but depending on the size, uh, you have to tailor uh, your approach. And then it's really about uh, the advisory role that mm. uh, Treasury plays in, for example, capital allocation or capital structure discussions. Also, uh, moving Treasury more uh, towards the business itself. So we all know that business models are changing quickly and you search for monetization uh, options for those new business models and there. Treasury should have a seat at the table very early on. Mm. Um, so that's the value contribution. And then, of course, looking more uh, to the future, it's about uh, a digital and, and agile transformation that we look at. It's about a digital mindset, I would say, uh, to be able to connect uh, certain financing problems with a potential technology solution. And this is, I would say, this is not only necessary for a software company like SAP, but in all finance organizations and in all treasury organizations, you, you have to uh, focus more and more on that topic. And of course, the, the organization itself uh, will also change in the future with new work elements, less hierarchies, more, import, uh, more empowerment, uh, agile working modes. So this is probably... Uh, the last element which focuses on uh, making the treasury function ready uh, for the future. 
more of a recruitment related question often we don't do these on this but it's more of a human related question i suppose in a smaller treasury and you worked in those yourself but also other people will be listening and they're in the smaller group they might have you know you might be in that it might be a wider position you do a number of different areas you might do capital markets cash you might do lots of different things and fx and everything being thrown at you um obviously in a larger group like an sap what and again in the past, I've seen people join like the likes of a shell. You know, people have said, you know, I've said, wow, it's a big, big treasury and things like that. And you have a smaller role, more specialist role sometimes. How would you, though, when you attract staff or when you're looking to people, how would you say that, why would they come and join SAP? Now, you know, it's a great track record as a company, but, you know, what are they going to learn in treasury or what, what is it that you've got to offer that over those other roles? What's your sort of, your hook, if you like, if that's the right way to put it? Well, first of all, I would say Treasury is an excellent starting point for a wider and more comprehensive finance career or a career altogether, because it gives you a variety of topics, not only Treasury topics, but you have to deal with tax controlling, investor relations, you have to do planning exercises. And at the same time, you have already an external exposure to other stakeholders like banks and rating agencies, for example, Mm -hmm. in a global organization. So I think that is the starting point uh, that uh, this offers great opportunity to start with. And then, of course, it's about looking for people that, of course, have a solid, uh, let's say, foundation uh, with a university degree and uh, probably combined with uh, interesting and diverse internships. Uh, but what is probably even more important is to uh, to find candidates with a passion for treasury and a passion for finance in combination with a high interest for technology. And I think if you if you are such a personality, SAP uh, offers great environment to work in, uh, because with SAP it's all about customer centricity, it's all about innovation, it's about being flexible to changing tasks, to changing environments. Even if you would say, well, there is a global organization in Treasury. You start in, let's say, the financing and and financial risk management area. This is something that we uh, that we change step by step. So we give our colleagues in Treasury the opportunity to work in different areas within Treasury. Give them a very comprehensive overview of all of the activities from the start. Mm. Uh, and to really show them the big picture at a very early stage and uh, try to offer them opportunities in in working in different projects yeah, with different kinds of treasury related questions so uh, i would say we uh, yeah we welcome such personalities who can uh, who have an interest in moving to the next interesting project quite quickly based on a on a passion to learn and and to gather solid foundation of of expertise. Yeah, and again, it's an interesting one when we recruited for this this client. Again, I won't name check them on this, but the way we presented it, the way that if you do go and do join and have a, you're going to have a great role in a team of four. You'll get all this wider experience and things, but at the same same time, there may come a point in three four years time you want to make that next move up. And if it's not available because that person's not moving and or 
there isn't that ability to, as you say, you come and join yourselves and you're working in capital markets and then you're going, oh, actually, we want you to work on a treasury service centre and, you know, you know, doing the cash management over here. There's maybe more opportunity in a larger group, you know, but there are also, it's also because some people want to work in a smaller team and some want to work medium size. It doesn't, you know, want not one size fits all, but I think it's a and an interesting one, which we sometimes touch upon, we don't really cover that much on the podcast. So I thought it was good because, you know, you've been there that many years and everything else. So I think that's a other observation. Would you agree with those sort of that those positives, if you like? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think what is interesting uh, is that I think the uh, when you look at smaller uh, treasury functions as well as global and, and very large functions, uh, the profile of the candidates, there are a lot of elements that you would search for both ends of the range. And that is uh, this, let's say, ability to grasp new things uh, very quickly because uh, the world is changing uh, faster than uh, 30 years ago or 20 years ago. And those elements are the same uh, for irrespective of the size of, of the function. Our commutes have changed in this new modern world, more remote working and everything else. But we tend to keep the show to you know, half an hour, 40 minutes, and we're approaching that sort of time. We'll put your LinkedIn details in the show notes, and I'm very much looking forward to catching up with you too. But if there are lots of people out there listening today and they're saying, well, what are the takeaways you know, from this this guy that's a, the global treasurer, you know, great role and everything else, but what, what sort of practical advice to some of the listeners would you give today to sort of wrap up today so the takeaways if you like for for us and the rest of the listeners if you like first of all i would say treasury uh, when you look also at uh, university education uh, treasury is still not one of the focus areas and mm. that is a shame actually because as i alluded to earlier uh, treasury gives you uh, the opportunity to really work uh, on topics that are linked to uh, tax to legal to controlling, to investor relations. So it gives you a very, a very good and promising head start to uh, uh, all kinds of careers. So we should take that in mind and, and promote uh, the treasury function much as we can. And then career-wise, I would say it's important to be curious, to learn continuously, to learn as much as you can. Uh, take benefit of, of mentoring relationships, uh, for example. Uh, that was very helpful for my career. I also had quite a few excellent uh, direct managers that, that helped me a lot. And then it's really about this adaptability to change focus and to grasp new topics. And the last thing is probably about uh, your communication skills. That's, of course, very important and sometimes underestimated. So I can only advise colleagues to work on the ability uh, to provide well-structured and, and uh, comprehensible summaries for complex topics and uh, to get clear messages across uh, to, uh, to different audiences. That helps you in a lot of different uh, settings, but that's uh, something I would, I would focus on also in the first years of a career. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. I think it was it was great. You, you've had some very successful years in your current role. And I think sort of we got good insight to a lot of that 
as well. I'll be talking to you in a couple of weeks' time when we see each other at a nice conference. And there's lots more. Finally, we're getting face-to-face time, which is which is key. I just want to say thank you for your time. I'm much appreciated and look forward to the future. We'll put your link, LinkedIn details in the show notes and uh, look forward to catching up soon. Okay. Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe, depending on where you listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week. It'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.